This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks. To learn more and sign up for our industry newsletter, please visit Hostfully.com. Hey, fellow hosts. If you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls, where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome, everybody, in our podcast of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I have a very special guest from Arlington, Vermont. Her name is Karen Chenile. I had to practice that surname a couple of times to make sure I pronounce it correctly. And she is the founder of Stargazer Stays. Uh, she's been a student in our uh, Short-Term Rental Profit Academy for a while, a very appreciated member, and uh, I'm excited to dive in and learn more about her business. So Karen, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. When I um, first got started in short-term rentals, I first read your book and then I found your podcast. So you are responsible for where I am today. I definitely would never have gotten as far into this if I hadn't found your show or your podcast. So you've been really instrumental in my success. And I always wanted to be on your podcast. It was one of the first things when I heard it, I was like, gosh, you know, it'd be so cool to be interviewed. And, And especially now as I've learned so much to be able to share all the different things I've learned and just stuff I've come across being a short-term rental operator. Sure. Yeah. I appreciate that. And uh, happy to uh, help, of course. Stargazer stays. That's a, that's a really cool name. Is there a lot of stargazing in, in where you are? Actually there is. So the name of my property here in Vermont is Stargazer Farm. And we named it that because in Vermont, there's not a lot of light pollution. So when it's dark out, on a clear night, the stars are beautiful. And so it was originally Stargazer Farm, and then we started doing an Airbnb inside the house here, and I just picked up Stargazer Stays. It kind of rolls off the tongue real nice, and it's memorable and easy to say, and it's it's a very easy URL to spell, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just hearing your brand, I, I already want to come over and, uh, and stay with you. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful here. Really, really pretty. Yeah. And uh, how many units do you have in total? So it's funny that you asked that. So I have two in Biloxi, Mississippi. I have two in Vermont. There's three units in my house and two in Panama City, Beach, Florida. So, and I also have uh, two in Tennessee. I forgot about those almost. So I have 12, 11 in total. Wow. So yep. did you, when you first started, was that your vision to build it out to a portfolio of 12 units and they're all in different places? No, it wasn't. When I first started, I just wanted to use up this extra space I had in my house. Our house is 3,500 square feet. 
we had five bedrooms at the time and all my kids had left and we were trying to sell the house. And uh, this is a pretty big house for Vermont and the real estate market in Vermont's kind of flat and it was on the market for a year and nobody even really came to look at it. So I said to my husband, you know, maybe we should try Airbnb in just a couple of the rooms. And uh, we loved it. We loved meeting the people. We loved the Airbnb model. So that's how we got started. It was kind of funny. I said, well, we're making really good money doing this. Let's go buy a condo near one of the ski resorts here in Vermont. So that was our next thing was in about 2000. We started in a house in um, 2016, in December of 2016. And then in 2017, we bought the the ski property over near Mount Snow and uh, just kind of went from there and we loved it and it was, it made mad money. And so I was like, well, let's, you know, let's buy another one. And so I was looking for ways to raise capital to buy another one. And we had a convenience store too, that I ran in addition to having like a, a nine to five job. So we sold our convenience store and took all the money from that and started really expanding the short-term rental portfolio because it was just something I enjoyed more. I mean, the convenience store was okay, but it really, my heart wasn't in it as much as the short-term rentals. And I just love short-term rentals. I like decorating them. I like buying real estate. I love all of the things I've learned being a real estate investor. So we've really expanded out from there. But you know, when I first started, I really had no idea that in two and a half, three years, I would have 11 properties. Yeah, that's incredible. And you're in different places, right? So is it, was that the plan? And, and why did you choose to, to be in different places? Because it sounds like that complicates a business, right? If you're in Florida, you're in Vermont, you're in different places, you have to find people on the ground to, to help you manage, of course. So was that your vision or did it just kind of come about that way? It was my vision. We bought the property in Vermont. It was only an hour away from our house. And so our model is we learned that was my first one. It's technically far away. So I it was but it was still safe. It was only an hour. So if something really went to hell, I could be out there and fixing things. So I taught myself how to manage remotely through that property because I had to hire a cleaner. It's still an hour away. And even in the winter, it's longer than an hour to get there. So I had to figure out how to find like remote teams to do things. So I was trying to teach myself these skill sets. And then once we sold the store and we had some money that we had to invest, we went down to Mississippi and I basically applied like all of the same skills I had learned on that one that was only an hour away to Mississippi you know, really the markets that I buy in, I, I have a feeling that's what you're going to ask me next is like, why did you pick all these different markets? So when I buy short-term rentals, I buy in places where short-term rentals have been around for a long time and where the cities are getting money off of the short-term rentals. Either there's some kind of tax in place or it's, adva it's advantageous for the local governments to have short-term rentals. I didn't always do that. Mississippi was kind of the first one I bought. I thought the city really liked short-term rentals and I ran into a little bit of trouble with one of the properties I bought down there where I was told it was okay to short-term rent it. You just needed a variance. And when I went to city council for a variance, it was a mess that I went through to get that property to short-term rent it. And I wound up that I couldn't. Like the whole city was up in arms. Airbnb was involved. It was a real mess. So after that, I got much smarter and I went to Gatlinburg. And so if you look at Gatlinburg, the short-term rental market there has been around longer than Airbnb and VRBO. 
Same thing with Panama City Beach. And in both places, there are short-term rental taxes in place. Like the governments are making money off of the rentals. And so they don't want to see them go away anytime soon. They're very much pro short-term rental. So it makes life a lot easier because you're not having to, in addition to, you know, standing up the property and some financial risk involved with that, you're not also having to deal with the risk of the local regulatory authority telling you you can't do it. Yeah, and it's also you're spreading the risk as, as well, right? Because if one if one market uh, suddenly yep. adopts a very restrictive short rental policy, then you're still good with uh, with all your other properties. So uh, it definitely makes sense from uh, from that perspective. Uh, but how do you go about finding uh, the people to help on the ground? Because that's mostly the the biggest challenge for people that are in different places, and um, is to find reliable cleaners, reliable maintenance people to you know, to help with the uh, with the on the ground management. So how, how did you find those people? Couple different sources. When I went to Biloxi, uh, I stayed in an Airbnb and I contacted the host and found out that this person that I was staying with hosted all kinds of different properties there. And so I said, well, hey, you know, I'm an investor coming into the area. Would you be willing to? I didn't want him to host for me, but I asked him if he would clean for me. And he said, sure. And so he had a ton of connections in with the local handymen and plumbers and things like that. The realtor. So when I went to Gatlinburg, I did the same thing. I stayed in an Airbnb and I figured out who the cleaning lady was because she was doing a great job and hired her on. Um, She knew a lot of people in the Gatlinburg area. And so she helped me get connected with those folks. And then in Panama City, I really knew no, like I knew nobody. I didn't even know a cleaner. And so for Panama City, I developed pretty decent relationship with a realtor down there. And um, he has helped me not only get the property, but he referred me to some cleaners. And so you just start to kind of work it. Like if you get a good cleaner on your team, a lot of these cleaners in these markets live and die by referrals. So they almost have like their own like little black book of people to call who they're preferential to. And I've worked a lot of it that way too, just through the cleaners. I'll be like, hey, who you got that's a plumber or whatever. And I built up like a nice little Rolodex in Google and I sort them all by property. And so I kind of know like, oh, I've got to go get this fixed in Tennessee. Who should I call? You know? Yeah. And do you also have a, a check-in person? Or do you have uh, self-check-in options on all of your properties? I use Wi-Fi locks on all my properties, and everything is self-check-in. Uh, what's your experience with those Wi-Fi locks? Are you, are you happy with those? I am. I love them. It's another way for you to know what's going on in your property, and it's another way for you to get control. I know in the um, you know in Sterpa we talk a lot about being able to know what's going on on the ground on your property without being there. And you can do things like noise aware. Uh, but the other thing you can do is this lock and you can also surveil, you can have cameras outside your property, but the lock is kind of handy because there's been a couple of instances with Airbnb where people have overstayed their welcome and they've told Airbnb that they didn't do it. And I can pull up the log where I can see where they, they actually access the lock. So it's pretty handy and I think it's more secure too. A lot of people will hand out one code that's always valid on the door. And so as a guest, I would be concerned about someone coming back and having that code and getting in there when I when I was staying. With these locks, your code is only valid for the period of check-in to check-out and no other time. And so like, you know, 
I have them go like an hour beyond the stated checkout time in case somebody's running a little late. But, you know, after that, they can't get back in the property without calling you or you specifically granting them access. So I really like them. They're just very convenient. And it's like I said, a good way to monitor what's going on in your property when you're not there. Yeah, that's a great solution for sure. Uh, Would you mind sharing which one you've chosen? Yeah, I use Remote Lock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're pretty good. Yeah. And they yeah, have, they're pretty uh, good. They have a they have a partnership of Airbnb, right? They have a direct integration. So they they do and they don't. So one of the biggest thing that drives me nuts about them is um, they have an integration with their Airbnb, but at the API level on the email, Airbnb won't allow them to send uh, the guest code in the Airbnb message stream. So you wind up having to send it separately and it becomes a masked email and it goes to people's junk mail folders. So my my one complaint about that whole service is that I try to automate and I don't want to have my hands in all this stuff all the time, but I do wind up having to send guest codes and copying them out of the email and into the Airbnb message stream because they're going into people's junk mail and they'll get to the door and they don't have the access code. But other than that, they've been really good. That's interesting because I felt... That was the point of the whole API integration to be able to do things like that so that you don't have to, you know, go outside of Airbnb uh, to send those door codes. Yeah, it'll it'll generate it based on the information from the reservation, but they, they don't have access to the message stream in the API for some reason. So it doesn't show up in there. It's a whole separate email that always gets picked up in a spam filter and, and dumped in junk mail. Right. So you get a lot of questions from your guests who reach out and say, hey, I didn't receive the code. I don't because I know that this happens. So on all of these emails that come in, I just hop into the email and I copy the part about the door code and then I plop over to Airbnb and dump it in the message stream so they have it. Yeah. But it's it's a pain. I mean, it's a it's ridiculous when you think about the size of the operation I'm running. I have almost 300,000 in revenue on short-term rentals and I'm worrying about setting lock codes. I mean, that... <laughs> irks me to no end. Yeah, and it seems like you you have your whole business uh, pretty well set up, your, your automation and everything. seems like you have a good organizational uh, structure behind it. Um, I've worked really hard. Basically, most of the stuff that you guys taught me in Sterpa about having automation and having that CEO mindset. And, um, and that's why I don't like those lock codes because a CEO shouldn't be sending lock codes to yeah. anybody, right? I push hard for automation and I push back against anything that requires me to do a lot of manual intervention. I just, I don't like, if you start working with a clean there and they're like, well, you know, can you schedule it on my calendar? No, I can't. Like either you got to deal with the email that'll be automatically sent out or you got to get on turnover BNB or one of those cleaning services. I just, I, everything is about automation for me because right. I, again, I'm working full-time job too and yeah. all of this. I don't yeah, have I mean, time. That's, that's incredible. You're able to manage 12 units while you're while you have a full time job as well. Is uh is is you, is it your ambition to to sort of have your uh, Airbnb business be your main source of income? It's funny you should ask that. I would like it to to get to that point. My ideal world is in like maybe six to eight months. I'm going to have to make a choice, right, between either the the nine to five job, which is pretty good, good paying job, great benefits, wonderful company, and to the point where my Airbnb portfolio is so big and I'm doing so well with it that it actually pays me better to go do the Airbnb thing. So my goal is, is going to sound crazy, but my goal is to get it so that I have 
I have that choice in front of me to make if I if I so choose, you know. And so we're we're getting there. COVID slowed us down a bit. I'm not gonna lie. I mm. lost about 20 grand in five days because of all my cabins in Tennessee were fully booked for the summer and everything just evaporated. Um, and the state of Vermont came out and said they basically told Airbnb to block all of our calendars uh, until July 1st. So there have been no short-term rentals in Vermont whatsoever. So any kind of revenue, like we just did a bunch of renovations in the house. We added a couple of bathrooms so that some of our rooms, now every room of ours has a full bath in the house. It didn't, before people used to have to share them. And so um, we were planning on those being very busy and renting them out for a little bit more this year. And there's been nobody because I can't rent. So it's, it's, it's put a little bit of a stick in our spokes, but I, we're going to be fine. Not worried about it at all. Hello from San Francisco. This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks for companies all around the world. We're grateful to join Jasper in helping property managers get through this tough time with information and insights that can help their business. As a company, we're also trying to find all the ways that we can help. We can share resources, and we're already doing that on our blog. And another idea that the team came up with is using Hostfully guidebooks as local guides for emergency services. So far, we've built guides for Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and also Alcoholics Anonymous. If this is an idea that you'd like to do, we would love to help you out. Please email me at margo at hostfully.com and I can show you how to get started. And you can also, of course, sign up for our blog at hostfully.com too. We hope that you and your family and loved ones are healthy and happy, and we trust that we are going to get through this together. Take care. Yeah, I mean, COVID-19 has kind of turned the world upside down. Uh, I think for anybody who's in the short-term rental niche, except for a very few people, we, we have a few people in our group, actually, in the Strapa, the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Um, we have a few people that are actually in markets where the, the demand is crazy and they're, they're expanding. Um, but overall, how, how is it, uh, how's it looking now? Do you, see, do you see bookings picking up? I do. It was kind of funny. So I just... Bought one in Panama City Beach and put it online last Thursday or Friday. So that one is very new. The other one that I, I bought in Panama City Beach, put an offer and was accepted. We're closing on June 30th. So it's hard for me to say, like, because I don't have a ton of frame of reference, but I, I can share with you that those are booking up like crazy and the rates are very high to stay in Panama City Beach in the middle of the summer. I mean, the, my bottom, my lowest rate is $350 a night, which is pretty good. Um, and it goes up to like $600 a night on like 4th of July week. For the Gatlinburg market, it was funny. All the COVID-19 cancellations came in. I lost literally like, I was kind of freaking out for three or four days because I lost $20,000 in bookings in like five days. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Right? And I've got more later in the podcast on how, how we actually cope with that. But it was kind of weird. It was kind of soft for a while. And then people started booking again. And I actually increased my rates. I'm renting them for more now than I was before because the demand is so high. And people are coming back to, to Tennessee and Gatlinburg. And it's, you know, the other thing that I use when I, other criteria when I buy these things is, is it a drive-to destination? And I've always, regardless of like COVID-19, I always wanted places that were drive-to destinations because a lot of families can't afford plane tickets, but they can't afford to get in the car and, you know, spend 50, 60 bucks in the tank of gas to get somewhere. So 
that's been really helpful too in this COVID-19 thing because now people are not flying. They're not getting on cruise ships anymore and they're taking all that money. And, and I've had at least three different bookings where they told me in the, in the booking message, Hey, we couldn't take a cruise, but we're going to come and spend the week in Florida, for example. So that's been really, really helpful. And that's, you know, when this whole COVID-19 thing struck, like I said, for three or four days, I was kind of scared. Well, then I turned off the news and I stopped listening to them. I started listening to you guys. I work with a, a personal development coach. I started listening to him and I was like, this is a really like this is a the time to like come out swinging and really start to grow. So we sold a unit in the middle of COVID-19 and bought two more. So to me, it's been a really good opportunity and it's caused a lot, I think a lot of people to rethink their business models and are going to come out much better on the other side of it. Yeah, that's great. That's great because, you know, I, I always think that any, any situation has, there's something to grow uh, from any situation, especially if it's a very challenging situation. Uh, I think uh, I think we've all learned a lot of things during this uh, this crisis. Uh, I, I personally definitely have. Uh, my, my units are more in the fly to destination. So, Unfortunately, uh, I, I don't Columbia. see. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't see uh, bookings picking up yet in my markets. But uh, but yeah, it's great to hear that uh, that you are seeing uh, seeing good bookings coming in, and definitely, I think the drive to destinations are that's probably going to be the place to be in the next uh, couple of years. You mentioned something that you want to comment on how you how you managed to get through the the COVID nineteen period. Yeah. So. Um... One of the things that I learned, so I listened to a little book called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Gosh, it was probably 14 or 15 months ago. And and the reason why I was listening to that book was because I was feeling I had all this money coming in from my short term rentals and I had no money in my checking account. Like I was literally going into QuickBooks and trying to figure out the timing of all of the bills. And am I going to have enough money on like the 11th of the month when all my mortgages go out to pay my mortgages? And I had, a, I had a lot of money coming in. And I'm like, what, like there's something about this isn't right. And I wasn't paying myself anything out of the business. I had no reserves for insurances. I had nothing. And so I got profit first and it really struck a chord with me because I was tired of being scared running my business and just not knowing. And also feeling like kind of like a failure because I'm a pretty smart person. I've got a couple of different degrees in business. I should know how to do this stuff. So I got Profit First and I read it. And, you know, the, for the, for folks who are not familiar, the whole idea with Profit First is you pay yourself first, then you pay your taxes, and then whatever you have left over is what you use to operate your business. And too many of us, I think, operate the business and don't thinking about paying ourselves or setting any any profit aside maybe to reinvest in the business down the line. And particularly with short-term rentals, you know this, you can spend a lot of money setting up a short-term rental. And I always like, I love to use the example of the pillow, right? Like pillows are so cute and everybody loves them. But when someone is looking at your place, do you really think they're going to pay an extra 30 bucks a night because you have this really cute pillow sitting on your couch? Probably not. So you can really blow a lot of money in short-term rentals very quickly. So what it focuses you to do is, since you have a limited amount of money left for your expenses, you start to really take a hard look at what your expenses are, when they are, and what is the ROI you're getting out of those expenses. You know, like I'll use an example. I hired a VA for the longest time. I didn't want to hire one, and but I hired one because I looked at it like how much of my time is going to be saved 
by hiring that VA? What are the things that I can automate and get myself out of the business and put my mind on other things to grow? And so it seems kind of crazy, but it works really well when you start to look at your expenses and narrow them down and really prioritize. And it also helps you be more selective about the things that you you tackle that are going to cost you money, like um, a website, right? Like I spent a lot of money in the last quarter of last year setting up a direct booking website. But it was a very calculated decision I made because I said, well, I'm going to be spending this money, but on the back end, I'm going to be saving all this money in Airbnb fees, hopefully down the line. So that's one part of the equation, right? Like learning how to control your expenses. But then there's this other fun little tool called YNAB. It stands for you need a budget. And so YNAB is a tool that helps you lay in a budget. The cool thing about YNAB, though, is is it in it for a short-term rental business is it allows you to proactively lay in all your expenses and really figure out like what your monthly outlay is. And you don't have to do it in a spreadsheet. It does it automatically for you and it connects to your bank accounts and categorizes your expenses as they come in. So for example, like, you know, if you have like a monthly mortgage and stuff that goes out, you can put all that in there. You can set up a budget for it for longer term expenses for things like insurance and stuff. You know, you're going to be making an insurance payment. Like if you own a property outright, you've got to pay the insurance once a year on it, right? Well, now there's no question that you're going to have the money because you set it up on like a, you know, 12 month payment schedule. If it's a 1200 bucks, you're going to be setting aside a hundred bucks a month. And lo and behold, though, when the expense comes due, you have the money. So what this allows you to do, though, is you kind of build up a set of cash reserves. What we did inside of YNAB for my business was instead of saying, you know, if my mortgage is $12,000 a year, I'm going to set $1,000 a month aside. We said, we're going to set aside the money to pay the mortgage over a 10 month period. So automatically you're creating two months of reserve. So by doing this with all of our mortgages and some of our other uh, recurring expenses, we had about a 60 day reserve of cash just sitting there. So what did that mean? I could run my business for 60 days with no income coming in and survive. It was really powerful. It took all of this worry and all this stuff with COVID-19 and helped me to be able to shift my mindset from, oh, my God, I'm afraid to, well, no, we're fine. Like, let's focus on how we can grow in this situation. So it was really powerful. And I think not enough people talk about the back end, the books on short-term rentals. Like, this is a big thing. It's really transformed my business. We also used QuickBooks, but QuickBooks is more for the taxes and accounting. It's not really a cash flow management tool like YNAB is. Yeah, and thanks for that book recommendation. I've definitely heard about it, Profit First. I haven't read it yet, um, but after your story, I'm definitely going to read it because that sounds very familiar. I've been in that spot a few times in the last uh, 10 years where yep. I know I'm making money, but I'm not getting any richer. So like, where's, where's it going? There's a disconnect, right? And it's yep. all about what you talked about. It's all about planning. It's all about knowing what your expenses are, how much they are exactly. Because expenses, especially with like monthly subscriptions and all that, yes. it can really add up. And at some point you just have no idea, right? So that's a that's a good one. Who's the author of the book? Do you know? Mike Michalowicz. Okay. Mike and he's got a podcast too that's um, pretty good where he interviews um, other businesses that have implemented the Profit First methodology. He also has a book called Clockwork. So clockwork kind of folds in real nice to what we try to teach in Sterpa, where you're you're behaving with like the COO mindset. And in clockwork, he teaches you to figure out what your, there's this thing called the queen bee role. 
in um, the QBR, you figure out what you're good at in your business, and then you set up automation around everything else to do with it. So you basically get yourself out of the things that you're not good at and, and automate or hire people to do these other functions for you. It talks a, lot, a ton about systems, and we talk a lot about systems in Sterpa too, having like systems set up so you're not so involved in everything all the time. So that's another uh, book of his that I read that's Really, that's what got me to go hire the VA and start setting up a bunch of systems to do things so I wouldn't have to do everything myself. Yeah, just to clarify, a VA is a, a virtual assistant. Uh, it's something that we uh, always recommend in uh, in Strapa or as it's the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. So within our, uh, it's our program, our online program, and within the program, we like to call it Strapa, the abbreviation of that. Uh, but yeah, having a virtual assistant is incredible. I've, I've used... I've worked with virtual assistants for uh, for almost close to a decade. Uh, I think it's one of oh, the wow. first things that I started doing when I uh, moved from uh, my finance career to being an entrepreneur or trying to be an entrepreneur is probably more accurate than the first couple of years. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I read um, uh, what's it called uh, Tim Ferriss's book, uh, Four Hour Work Week, and yep. I learned about the concept of a virtual assistant in his book, and this is back in 2010 when you know having running a remote business with virtual assistants was kind of un, unheard of 10 years ago that's how fast the world uh, changes sweetheart uh, i really appreciate getting you providing all this advice and uh, i love your story as well and we really appreciate you as a as an active member of our community of course yeah, is there anything else any final thoughts for for the listener i know you've listened to a lot of the podcasts yourself so any any final words before we uh, wrap this up? You know, I would just tell people, um, there's a lot of people that are scared right now that have short-term rentals. There's a lot of people getting out of the business because they have a very narrow view of, uh, they're just looking at like what's in front of them. And I would just tell folks, don't feed into the hysteria and the panic that the media is putting out there. Broaden your horizons a little bit. Look at some other data. There's still a ton of opportunity in short-term rentals and, um, you know, this is a, a wonderful business that you can have in addition to like having a full-time career or, I mean, you can make it a side hustle if you want. I, I just love short-term rentals and I still think there's a ton of opportunity and a ton of ways to learn things about real estate that you can take and expand in other areas and go into other pieces of real estate too. So just don't be scared. Keep going. Awesome advice. Thank you very much for sharing that. Sweet. So thanks, Karen. Um, this was great. And for the listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Get paid for your pet. 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 Hey, fellow hosts, if you want to take your hosting business to the next level, then join the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy. Whether you own, rent, or manage properties, we have the resources, the tools, and the community to help you achieve your goals. The Short-Term Rental Profit Academy is ready for any host, any size, and includes a membership portal with over 50 hours of video lessons, a private Facebook group, and weekly live coaching calls where Eric and I give you direct feedback and help you solve your biggest challenges. We're all about taking action and getting results. So if you're ready to start crushing it, 
sign up for our program at strprofitacademy.com.